Lucky you. 36 you best holes in golf. Alternate Shots Podcast. Barney's Army. Where we talk about Sandy. golf. Poker. James Bond. Horse racing. Double. Classic movies. Zenyatta. We have no script. Down the stretch they come. We are glad you joined us. Frankly, my dear, I don't give a damn. <laughs> so, Billy Regan, welcome back. Guess who we have on the program today? None other than Mark Loomis, someone I've known since he was old enough to outdrive me at the age of three years old. <laughs> welcome aboard, Mark. It's a pleasure to have you. For a long time, I was the actual person producing the shows, but this is a much more of a management role that I started um, at the beginning of last year. So it's been a, it's been a good transition. So how connected is the Golf Channel stuff with NBC? Very. Take for, for you know, this week at Bay Hill or the Players' Championship. They, you know, the, the people who are producing the show for NBC are NBC uh, universal employees. And so are the Golf Channel people. And a lot of, there's a ton of crossovers. Golf Channel moved to Stanford in the beginning of 2021. And I think part of that was to get Golf Channel and NBC to kind of work as one. So I think what you'll what you'll find here as we go forward is that people like Kurt Byram and Cara Banks and Damon Hack this week is doing interviews. Brad Faxon got hired this year to work on the NBC telecast, but he's also going to be doing live from next week at the players. So, th- so it, it is a... I think we are evolving into it being much more of, of, of one place. The, the uh, impression comes across is that you are synchronized NBC and Golf Channel. Yeah, I think, I think the key to it is I think the people that you look for and, and what I've found over the years is that the people that you want involved are people who are in the golf world day to day. So you take a guy like Brad who is you know, not only a great announcer but a great teacher, uh, was a great player, um, and, and so what I would say is that Brad's day-to-day giving uh, lessons to Roy McElroy or, or um, Brandon Matthews or whoever he's working with keeps him in touch with what's going on with golf day-to-day. And then when they get on site, they know the, the golf courses for the most part. But, you know, so Brad knows um, he knows the golf course, but he's out there checking it out. What's it playing like this year? What, what's the, what are the differences? Where do you, you know, what's the rough like? What's the, how firm are the greens? He was already up there on the putting green, on the practice tee, talking to the players, trying to get a good feel for how the course was going to play that week. So I, I would say the preparation never stops. And well, what a story. God, what a story. If he had chipped that close on 18, right? Yeah, I mean, that's an interesting thing about the designated events, uh, non-designated events, is that I think what you're going to find this year, we'll see what happens with the schedule next year. I think that's still to be determined a little bit. But I think the non-designated event weeks, you're going to have great stories. First of all, you realize how good, how deep they are, how deep it is. I mean, Chris Kirk's a pretty darn good player. And then you find guys like uh, like Eric Cole, who, who are out there, who might not kind of break through, but then he broke through last week. And then, you know what? He's playing well this week. That I've learned over the years is when you do play well, you better play really well. And what I mean by that is you better finish in the top three, because if you finish 12th when you're playing really well, um, the weeks uh, you're not going to, you're not going to stick around. You, you, you got to cash in on your big, on your big ones. I'll tell you a perfect example of a guy who, who just kind of popped on the scene last week is Ryan Gerard. So Ryan Gerard just got out of North Carolina he finished, uh, I think he finished fifth at Honda, and um, he's playing that that top ten finish. He had no status going to that. He Monday qualified. He was the last person in the field last week. Gets into the Puerto Rico, 
Um, and in the second round, he's, he's, uh, he's in second place. So, so, so all of a sudden for a, a guy who 10 days ago had no status on tour, had no, you know, we'll call it Avenue to get out there is two days away from having a, a complete tour card. You, when you get your opportunities, you better take them. The good news is that the great players, the ones who, who, who end up making it, they usually take advantage of their opportunities in a hurry. Um, you know, those, you, you, th- you, you look at a, you, there, there's, there's all sorts of stories of a, you know, of a Jordan Spieth who, who got a few sponsors exemptions. Next thing you know, he's out on tour, right? And, and, and that happens. Now there are also the Max Homas who go out there, lose their card and they have to, to dig their way back up. But, but, but the great ones usually get it done quickly how to rethink what, what, what direction we should go in. And one of the things that some of these smarter, smart, younger people are doing is they've really pushed themselves uh, in a social media world. Max, nobody better than Max Oma. And then he also understood that. And we've, I'll tell you from the TV side, we've been asking forever to do interviews on the golf course, but we never could get the tour to agree to it. Um, But now, now people are thinking, Hey, you know what? We need to make our product, um, as appealing as possible. And this is a way to do it. So Max was the one who led the charge through the PGA Tour and CBS, uh, to their credit, got it on the air first. But now you're seeing it week to week. Uh, you know, we had uh, last week on NBC, we had Chesson Hadley on, we had Billy Horschel on. Uh, this week, we're, all, we're hoping to have somebody on. Next week, we're hoping to have somebody. So, so it's, it's something that's evolving. Now it's a big events. To hear from somebody in the middle of the round is, is, is good. It's good. And it gives people a chance to get to know, you know, all you have is impressions of golfers and how to root for them. Listening to Chess Hadley, for instance, I became a fan. He was humorous, lighthearted. How long before you think drones will take over most of the, uh... I know the union uh, doesn't want to hear that, but. You know, I think we're a long way away from drones taking over. I think drones are a great uh, addition to, to the golf uh, coverage for sure. Um, but it does. It's not quite that easy. You know, you, you can't you can't follow a golf ball with a drone with a drone quite as no. well as you can follow it with a hard camera. I, I think Tommy's group at at um, at, uh, at the Players Championship have done a, a great job um, at really bringing that course to life. I played there for the first time this fall. I hadn't played there. Well, I shouldn't say for the first time, but I hadn't played there in, in probably 30 years. And uh, you kind of feel like you've already played it by by how many times you've seen it on TV. It's it's it really it's a it's a great experience. It's to me as close as you can come to CBS and Augusta because everybody does know the holes now. Um, there's excitement in the second nine, whatever you want to. Call right. it. And you can see more of the holes now at Augusta. They used to limit what what you could show, right? Yeah, for sure. They used to well, they limit the amount of time on the air, so you, you saw a lot less. Yeah, but but um, yeah, it's it's always been the question for do you, do you, for an event like the U.S. Open, where you can travel around the country and see different court, golf courses, is is that a good thing, or or do you like the familiarity of a of, of an Augusta? And I, I do think that's one of the the real kind of charms of of the Masters is the fact that you same know, place every year. Yeah, yeah, you know every hole. Yeah. We have chances to use people in smaller stages that then can work their way up. You take a guy like Smiley Kaufman, who a year ago wasn't even doing TV, and we used him on a featured group at the US Open last year that you know very few people are listening to. You get a chance to to go out there and talk for five hours because it's only about one group. And you find out quickly 
um, who can do it uh, and who can't. And so Smiley, we started in there. And then next thing you know, he was doing a kind of a, a fall tour event. And we started, you know, he did a college event. And, like, and, and then we, 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 you can make your way up. We're starting to use Johnson Wagner a lot over the last two months, a, a local guy, and he's been great. Was yeah. Johnny Miller one of the first, um, shall we say, retired golfers to go into the booth? Uh, you know, not really. I mean, Byron Nelson. I mean, I, you know, I, when I first started in uh, at ABC, Jack Nicholas was, uh, you know, was was an analyst for us. Um, but but Johnny Miller, Johnny Miller kind of became the face of TV golf, you know, in the 90s and the 2000s. Uh, just yeah, he, because, was, he wasn't afraid to say what it was on, just came right yeah, out of his mouth. Different. He was different. I think back, I think when I got into TV, I think people were describing it, but they 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 tried to do it in a nice way most of the time. I think Johnny just he just said what he thought, uh, right. and I you know that's a I think it's a skill that that's grown, and I think people are better and better at it. But he was he was at the front of it. He did a, he did an amazing job with it, and he had a career that you know could stand up to some some of the uh, remarks he was making. Speaking of guys you worked with, who was a bigger influence on you in your career? Was it Brent Musburger or Keith Jackson? Well, that's a great. I mean, that's a good one because I two of the two of the top uh, for me. I, you know, I Brent. I would say Brent was really instrumental for me in that he was one. He was really the first guy uh, uh, of his stature who I got a chance to work with regularly, and he really was a, a, a champion of mine, kind of to make my way. I was I was his scorer in the booth when we started. I was basically his researcher, um, and I mean, he's the best. He, he nobody you would rather. Uh, have a couple beers with him than Brent. He was he was fun. I you know you when I was in college was when he was at CBS and you know people heard different things about him. he was like an anchor monster and you know I grew up watching him on Sundays. He he was the NFL you know that everyone watched that pregame show. Um, and when I got the he came over to I started ABC in ninety I think he came over in ninety two uh, and he um, I got basically he didn't know much about golf and they said Mark. Uh, he knows how to be an announcer. You, you teach him about golf. Uh, and we had, he used to call me one iron. I guess I was a little thinner back then, but, but uh, he, uh, we had a great, uh, that's a great, we had a great rapport. And I, I talked to him every once in a while still. I mean, I ended up doing basketball with him and Dick Vitale. I was ended up being his producer about 10 years later on college basketball. Um, but he, he, he really was great to hang out with a ton of fun and, um, he had, had a huge impact on me. And then Keith was, I mean, Keith, Keith was everything. I, you know, kind of my greatest, maybe my, my, my greatest honor in, in TV was, was getting to do uh, his induction speech into the Sports Broadcasting Hall of Fame. He asked me to, to introduce him for the Sports Broadcasting Hall of Fame. Um, I started working with him when I was 32. And he was almost exactly the same age as my dad. And I think in some ways he, he, he treated me like a, like a son. I mean, he, he was great to me. He was great. To me. And a heck of a golfer. He shot his age every year from the age of 68, I think, to 83 or something like that. Um, wow. He was a heck of a golfer. He, that's how we got to be so close. We have a, a funny story about how uh, at the um, first event I produced with him, they had something called field turf in Nebraska where they had just put in, it was a new artificial turf and it was kind of made up of um, tire rubber. And I thought, and I had heard Keith was a good golfer. I'd worked with him a couple of years before. So I, they, I, I thought a cool way to show 
um, the tire rubber was was to get hit a golf ball from like the 40 yard line. Um, it, it, we did that on Friday as we recorded. So I had Keith, who I knew was a good golfer, and Bob Greasy was also a good golfer with the two announcers. And I said, hey, guys, why don't why don't we go? You guys hit golf balls. We'll record it. We'll show it slow motion. We'll, we, it'll be fun. You know, people get to see you hit a golf shot. So they both uh, they both hit and they both missed uh, from 40 yards. They, they missed the field goal. And I was like, <laughs> Yes, I thought you guys were good at golf. Uh, and uh, they said, oh, let's see you do it. And uh, I, I, I was able to do it. And Keith said, oh, you want to play golf next week out in California and, and uh, friendship from there. So Talk about your thoughts on these guys who, who, who made up this, this wonderful PGA Tour and this larger golf game that we enjoy. Yeah, I think I think it started with Arnold. You know, right the right guy uh, at the right moment with 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 the, when TV was coming to the forefront, and all of a sudden you had this 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 guy who understood entertainment uh, on top of on top of being a, a, an incredible golfer. So uh, you know, Arnold was kind of the, at the forefront of golf on TV, um, and then Jack was. Jack was a great foil, right? I think when he started, he, you know, people, he got a lot of flack. Um, he, you know, people, people weren't, weren't happy to see this kid come up and beat their hero. Like Roger um, Maris. Yeah, 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 exactly. You know, it turned out Maris was Ruth though. I mean, you know, and then next thing you know, uh, it, you know, here comes Jack and he was just, you know, I think Jack didn't, didn't necessarily grab you with his, personality on the golf course but he just was so dominant it was incredible uh you know over the years and i think people just more than anything just came to appreciate him um and so that you know that he grabbed tv from there but no one's grabbed tv like tiger grabbed tv i mean, I mean t when you watch like if you go back to uh genesis a couple of weeks ago uh, i mean there were almost three times as many people watching those events this year as as opposed to when he doesn't play uh you know there's there's really no one else in golf who moves, you know, actually probably the second, uh, the person who's second on the list right now moving the needles, maybe Jordan Spieth, which is a little surprising, but, but he, he moves it a tiny bit, Rory a little bit too, but nobody has ever, has ever changed golf uh, on TV like Tiger Woods did. And, and, you know, he made it, he made it, you know, people who don't watch golf uh, day to day, they, they, they go find Tiger Woods on TV. So that's been incredible. What's next? Hard to say. I mean, you know, uh, uh, you know, John Rahm is playing so great right now. He's kind of he's he's been great, but I'm not sure that that the American audience is going to latch on to on to him, you know, like they would even a Jordan Spieth. So I think there's a, a little bit of a, a a lull here. But the good news is is that there are so many good young players that week to week, especially actually these designated events have turned out pretty well in terms of having really good players on top of the leaderboard. So I think I think the interest in golf right now is is good despite the fact that they don't really have that star to latch onto. Yes. And they might turn into stars. It's early for some of them still. Yeah. I mean, you know, my son Ben's playing at, uh, uh, at Vanderbilt and he's got a kid on his team was a sophomore who just got an invite to the masters. He's the first uh, American ever ever to get an invite to the masters who, who, who didn't win kind of a specified event. He won the NCAAs, but that doesn't get you in, but you never know who that next guy is. Um, and, and uh, you know, maybe it's Gordon Sargent, uh, you know, you just, you, you, we'll see, we'll see. So I've done both. Uh, and I would say that it was more fun to do college. I mean, I think, you know, you, when you're doing the NFL, I think when you're in my business in TV, the pinnacle is NFL football. You know, if you're producing the, 
if you're Fred Gadelli and you produced eight Super Bowls or whatever that number was at NBC and ABC, like that is the pinnacle of what we do. Going to a college campus on a Thursday, uh, getting there on a Thursday afternoon and meeting with the home team coaches and players, and then going out to a local restaurant, and just seeing the energy around it. And then Friday, uh, getting ready for the game and seeing that, you know, the parking lots filled with campers and people. And, and then you get there on game day and the parking lots are, you know, full with people who are into it. And just the, the pageantry that goes along with college football, tough to tough to beat. And, you know, for me, my experience was incredible getting to work with, um, with Keith Jackson, Dan Fouts. And, uh, you know, it, it was, you know, the Rose Bowl, you know, I did, uh, I did a bunch of Rose Bowls. That event, um, there's two events that I've done that are kind of at the top of the list, the Rose Bowl uh, and the uh, British Open in terms of just the, the atmosphere. And when I say the British Open, the British Open at St. Andrews, those two events, um, are incredible. It's like they, they were made to be played. It's like Augusta. They were made to be played at those places. And college football bowl game at Pasadena doesn't get any better. And then a, a British Open at St. Andrews doesn't get any. It's not a movie. It doesn't always have the ending you're expecting. But yeah, Roy just didn't make any putts on Sunday. I actually walked around because I'm not producing the shows. I had never actually walked around on the golf course during the event. And I I I, I met uh, Rory on the on the ninth hole and I walked nine, 10 and 11 with them, uh, you know, off to the side on, on the ropes and, and just the, the amount of, I don't want to call it pressure, just, the, just the focus, I'll call it on Rory that that day was incredible. People were yelling his name every step he took. I, 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 I wonder if after four days, just the weight of that got to be a lot. Um, but he, he just more than anything, the push just didn't go in on Sunday. Do you get feedback ever, negative or positive, from the players about you know what's said on broadcasts or coverage or anything like that? Yeah, I, I, the players themselves, I don't, I don't get feedback from. I get feedback in the locker room at Wingfoot more than anywhere. And I, <laughs> yeah, I can't uh, wait to see it. <laughs> but uh, no, I get I, it, the the players actually. The, the announcers get a lot of feedback. I mean, if, when those announcers are out there walking around on Tuesday, Wednesday, or even Saturday, Sunday morning on the range. And if they have said something negative about a player that, yeah, they, 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 they hear about it. Uh, yeah. you know, and it's not, you know, it doesn't get heated, but they're like, Oh yeah, I guess you don't think I can putt or, Oh, I can, you know, I guess you don't, you don't like the, what I'm doing with my golf swing, whatever that is they're They might not act like they're listening, but they're, they're they hear it for sure. They if I'm it. the announcer, I think you just proved to me that I'm doing my job. Yeah, you know, and, and what's interesting about that is that, and like I said, I never worked with him, but everyone always said Johnny Miller never went to the range, right? He, I don't think he wanted, I think he wanted to be a little bit removed. He came uh, in so with a fake mustache and glasses and yeah, a hat. Yeah. Exactly. But I think not only did he, you know, he just wanted to be a little bit removed so that he didn't, he didn't, he just said what he thought was right. Exactly. So take out Wingfoot's West and East top five courses for you internationally uh, uh, i've always been a huge uh fan i love st andrews i think it's i, I just love the the, the I, i'm not telling you it's the greatest design golf course ever because it was designed a long time ago but I, you talk about a, a round of golf i'd like to play st andrews is is high on the list pebble beach is high on the list that's just a great experience i love pinehurst number two i think that's a a great golf course pine valley is a great golf course and then i'm 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 a uh, I'm, I'm a big um seminole fan as well. So, uh, you know, those would be five that jumped to the top of my head, but 
man, I just love playing golf. So I, I hate to only pick five. I can probably keep going here for a while. What's the toughest bunker shot at Wingfoot? The toughest bunker shots is early in the round uh, on the first hole on the West golf course. If you get pin high or above going across that green is about as hard as it gets to try to get that right. Unless the hole is in that little swale in the middle, then it's, then it's not too bad. Um, but a bunker that I don't want to be in. Well, I don't ever, and I actually hit it in this bunker. And I, I was thinking this last year, I don't think I've been in this bunker in 10 years, but I hit it in the right bunker on 15 uh, East. And I was like, what am I doing down here? I, 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 I <laughs> green you get hurt down there. I have missed that green left a hundred times, but I have not missed that green right in a long time. And I was not happy with my, but I will not be back in there anytime soon. Yeah. yeah. That's a very tough up and down. Yeah. Well, you, you, you had an easy club selection. You took your 56 or whatever. Billy and I are thinking, do we take a nine iron? Do we take it? It's <laughs> a long shot, right? I, I'm thinking it's about true. taking a putter and going out the back side <laughs> of the green and then trying to hit the wedge up on what's the easiest part. The four. easiest part at wing foot is part four. Well, yeah, I would say the easy. I think the easiest hole is one east. I I, I really do. I, I think I think that is a. Uh, I think that is a pretty you know. A, a pretty I agree, well and I and I think it's by design. It's sort of like welcome welcome aboard. Right. Get yep. yourself Wingfoot a little back. warmed up because you got some now, surprises coming. What do you think is the toughest green to putt at wing foot of all the thirty six greens? Or I read. think 13, I, the first one that jumps out of my head just as we think about it here would be 13 East, I think is a, is a, a brutally hard green to putt. Um, and then um, one West, uh, you know, just maybe, maybe just from the fact that it's your, your first couple putts of the day and you're, you know, who knows what, what kind of putt, you know, nobody ever hits it hard enough going up the hill when they start, you know, if they're on the front of the green um, and if you're in the wrong part of the green and the, the hole is over on one of those those ridges on on the, if you're on the wrong side you you're in trouble i find 15 east the hardest to read for some reason 15 east is hard no doubt about it but there, there there's a relatively few hole locations up there so you kind of have a, a pretty good feel of of where you are now that that, that new back right i mean you, I, i've seen more people put it off the green yeah the back. which pro golfer if you had a chance to play one round with a pro golfer dead or alive would you like to play golf with I would say either Lee, I, I'm going to, I'm going to either or I would like, I never played with Lee Trevino. I would have loved to have played golf with Lee Trevino. I loved the way he played golf. It was just fun to watch him play golf. And I love the way Seve Ballesteros played golf. Um, as you can tell, I probably, uh, you know, I, 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 I like the way Seve played golf because unfortunately I hit it all over the place like he does. And I, I, I admired, I admired how he got out of it. Uh, and then, uh, Lee Trevino, I just, I, I don't think I've ever seen anybody control a golf ball. I used to actually, when I first got started in this, I very rarely would, would go out and watch golf. I'd be in the trucks, I'd be working. But when the, the one player that I did go watch, I would go watch Lee Trevino. Um, if it was a windy day, I would go watch him play nine holes. Um, and I, 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 it was so much fun to watch. And I would love to just talk to him about, about golf and how he, thought about it because I as as unconventional as it looked I bet you that he he I, f I feel like he understood how to hit a golf ball uh and how a golf ball how to make a golf ball move around maybe better than anybody any thoughts on Wingfoot's next hundred years the one thing that you have to remember about Wingfoot when you talk about what a great club or whatever when, when you really talk to people who know about golf the first thing they say is 
probably the greatest golf experience in golf, right? Like, so that that's number one. It is a great 36 holes of golf. And it, you'll hear that from, from every top player who's come through there. And, and, you know, some people, there's two different perspectives. There's the perspective of the U S open people who come through there and they, um, they see the golf course, um, under us open conditions, but then you take a guy, Curtis strange, I worked with for a long time team through Wingfoot on a, on a random Saturday and, and played golf and went in the grill and then did like the one ten tasty that, you know, would go out and play one in 10 East. And those people realize that it's, it's not just a great us open venue, but it's the day to day all time, great golf experience. And then beyond the golf experience, the experience in the grill room or geos or whatever, the, the people that are there on how much they love golf. If you love golf, Wingfoot is, a, is the place for you. So going forward over the next hundred years, we're in such a great place to be set up as, as the golf, uh, you know, as one of the, the top golf experiences in the country. There is so much interest in getting into Wingfoot, to playing at Wingfoot, to being part of Wingfoot that uh, I, I can only imagine great things for the for the next hundred years. It'd be kind of nice to accumulate all the great athletes from Babe Ruth to Mickey Mantle and guys like that, that were kind of regulars at Wingfoot over the years, right? Yeah, I, I, I used to see, speaking of sports, I used to see George Steinbrenner at, at Wingfoot sometimes. I heard him calling in the lineup from the men's grill one time. So anyone <laughs> who says he wasn't, I, I, I can I can vouch for the fact that he was. So You uh, sure he wasn't uh, firing Billy Martin? No, I, I heard him. I, I heard him <laughs> go through the lineup. He wanted... Oscar Gamble and right. It was funny. It was funny. This has been great, Mark. Thank you very, very much. It's awesome to hear the inside golf perspective from somebody who spent uh, a lot of time at this and been influenced by a lot of people. And don't be no, surprised if we get higher ratings than the golf channel with you on here. Yeah, no, I appreciate that. I, I uh, please don't. But the one player that I did go watch, I would go watch Lee Trevino um, if it was a windy day. I would go watch him play nine holes. Um, and I, 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 it was so much fun to watch. And I would love to just talk to him about, about golf and how he thought about it. Because I, as, as unconventional as it looked, I bet you that he, he I, f I feel like he understood how to hit a golf ball uh, and how a golf ball, how to make golf ball move around maybe better than anybody. Thanks for joining Billy us Casper, today. Billy Horner. We really appreciate your Double feedback. Indemnity. And please Marky. subscribe to the Twitter. show and hit Claude the bell Harmon. icon so you get notified Movie classics. new episodes. Mark Gable. Hit them hard job. and hit them off. That's 36 holes.